This is Around the Rim with China Robinson. This thing on? Well, I know that it's time to start recording the podcast because Tariq has been bossing me around for the last 10 minutes. So this is how we start off all of our recordings. Um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. It's obviously a very, very special night for those of us that love the WNBA as we honor the legacy of Lindsay Whalen, in particular, her time here with the Connecticut Sun. Um, my name is LaChina Robinson. I'm a basketball analyst. I also am the host of an ESPNW podcast called Around the Rim. Y'all know about Around the Rim? Yeah. Okay. We got like 20 listeners. We're happy. <laughs> um, and this is my fantastic and fabulous producer, if you listen to the podcast, Tarika Foster-Brasby. Who is a Detroit Shock fan, I hate to tell you guys. So, technically, but, well, technically, that makes her a Las Vegas Aces fan, kind of. No, with Bill. I'm saying, like, her connection to Bill Lambeer. She was, yeah. I was just, yeah, I should have said a Bill. Bill did you say Lane? Oh, Lane Beer. I'm from Detroit, so I grew up in Detroit. But when they moved to Tulsa, I'm not from Tulsa. And I live in Connecticut. Oh, that made me a Connecticut Sun fan, LaChina. But she still gets a little bit of a twinkle in her eye when she sees Bill or Katie Smith. So because she will, she remembers those Total glorious fan days. Crush for Katie but yeah, Smith. she I'm is sorry. a huge Connecticut Sun fan. And if you listen to our podcast, she finds a reason to bring the sun into every conversation, every show. Um, every so, but that is Tarika. She's fantastic. She'll be jumping around and helping. Um, we have a fun lineup for you guys tonight. If you haven't heard about our guests, you guys know who we have here. Well, we're going to start out with. Probably one of the most important women, not only here with the Connecticut Sun in the front office, but in the history of the WNBA, none other than your own executive vice president, Amber Cox, is going to start us off. (laughs) And then you get the honor and the pleasure of listening live to Tarika and I's first interview with our WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, who is here. Yep. Tarika, you excited about that? I am that? so excited about that. We're going to have a little fun with Kathy. And um, she's had enough time on the job, so it's time to, you know, she's been there about a month. So now it's time to get the hardcore answers, right? Um, and just so you know, this is a very informal conversation. So we are going to talk back and forth with the audience. We're going to have a little fun. So you guys be thinking about your questions for Kathy and other people as well. And then who are my five-year or more Connecticut Sun fan? Raise your hand. Five years or more, okay. Who are my 10 years or more Connecticut Sun fans? Wow. Who are my, I was here when the inaugural season kicked off, when they moved from Orlando, Connecticut Sun fans. Wow. So you appreciate two of our next guests that will be up here with us. Y'all remember Nikesha Sales? Those are for the Huskies as well. I know we've got some UConn, lots of UConn folks in here. And then Taj McWilliams Franklin will be here. And then last but not least, there's a kind of important point guard. Her name is Lindsay Whalen. She'll be joining the show. So, uh, Y'all ready to have some fun? 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and bring up our first guest, Amber Cox. Come on up. This is my girl right here. First of all, her. Oh no, you don't. You can see it. Well, Tarika's kind of put me in a chair. Okay. So if she gives me we permission, stand, we have to we get stand. the China to behave at least ten minutes of this. Okay. Yes. That's By it. the end, I'll be probably be standing, <laughs> but I guess I'll try to behave myself. Um, Amber, first of all, I just went down that whole list of of guests, but Tarika and I cannot take credit for any of the planning of this podcast or what's going to take place tonight for Lindsay Whalen. Give us just a little bit of the thought behind. Why tonight? Why is Lindsay's uh, jersey being lifted to the rafters and how this all kind of came about? Well, first of all, I feel like I'm at Thanksgiving dinner with my family right here, right? (laughs) These are my people. These are my people. We're always having conversations. So last year when Lindsay announced her retirement, I think I heard from everyone in this room, either via Twitter, via email, in a town hall that said, what are we doing for Lindsay? And Lindsay just so happened to be coming through here in one of her last regular season games last year, and we gave her a little shout-out. But my promise to this group who uh, adores Lindsay, uh, and ha- as you saw, many of them have seen her through the years contribute to this franchise, we wanted to do something really big, and we really felt like uh, it was only fitting to put her number 13 in the rafters with Nikisha and Katie and Margot, and really honor her in the right way. Um, you know, when you look back on the history of this franchise and I was even right as I was joining the WNBA in Phoenix, um, you know, this is, this is Husky country. You're putting a WNBA team here and that group really established the identity of the Connecticut sun separate from, even though we all still cheer for our Huskies when they roll through here, but they really established the identity of the Connecticut Sun um, and just so grateful for them. And you see, like, so many of these fans are, are still with us through the highs and the lows, and we're on one of those highs right now. It feels good right now, doesn't it, people? On a it feels big good. high. Important game tonight, right? Um, so for those of us, like myself, I'm always curious, like, what goes into deciding that a player's jersey is going to be lifted to the, ra- the rafters? Is there, like, a board? Is there criteria? Is there once they retire, you kind of go through as a feel? Um, how does that work? It's not that scientific. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm okay with. I'm you a know, feel girl. I, I, again, I've, I've, this is my third season here and I've got the perspective from the league, but again, just listening to the fan base, I think was really, really important knowing that this was an important person for this franchise to recognize. And then we've got Mitchell Edis, who's the CEO, um, obviously been here since day one. So consulting with him, knowing that Lindsay is our all time assist leader, although you guys, jazz is creeping right up there quickly. Like, we talk about um, somebody who's been here five years really closing in on that milestone in terms of the all-time assist leader. But, you know, just, again, the impact that she made here to establish, and obviously, two runs to the finals. Like, it's really hard to do. It's like win or lose. That's so hard to do. And I was listening uh, to her uh, podcast with Dave Siegel today talking about the injuries. And again, you guys all know this really well, that those two teams experience and just, again, speaks to like her grittiness and toughness and and that she just was willing to play through anything to win. So I think she just represents everything we want to stand for in terms of this franchise. And it, it just seemed only fitting to put her number up there. Not only two final uh, uh, finals appearances, but 
consecutive and very early in the history of this franchise, which we all know is very hard to do. Um, I want to talk to you just a little bit about your position, um, not only here with Connecticut, but also the success that you have in Phoenix. I mean, you were a huge part of building the X Factor, that fan base there. Wherever you've gone, it seems like you've worked with teams um, and eventually help them to get it is what I say, right? Because not all WNBA franchises are as lucky. Um, and some are still learning and building. But what would you say you've learned about Connecticut, the fans here? Um, I think what your home record now is 13 and one or something crazy like that. So you've got something special brewing here with the fans. How have you built this and kind of um, brought these fans in, kept them faithful even through, through some of the lean years? And I know their, their support's been here, but there were some lean years where the play wasn't as, as great. Great, and you've got everybody still in, involved. Well, first of all, you guys have been here, right? Again, it's it's through the highs and the lows you've been here. And I think what we've been really focused on is the entertainment experience around the game, um, providing our players with you know the best resources, obviously the best um, care that they can get off the court, um, listening to them and their feedback on everything from game entertainment to you know when when they want post-practice massages you know we take all those things into consideration try to create a great environment for for them and for the fans and then you know we've hired some really smart people I mean a lot of my staff is sitting in here um and that was always has always been my motto like hire good people and then get the hell out of the way really quite frankly um but we've been really focused on groups and you guys have been so understanding our season ticket based we implemented the the matinee game which the sun hasn't had for ever. Uh, the first one was last year and we had 1500 campers coming out kids this year, double that 3000 kids. And I think that's really important to the future of this franchise, making sure those kids are getting in the door. They're having a great experience, doing a lot of outreach in the community. Even for those kids that can't buy tickets, just get them in here, let them experience sun basketball, let them experience the environment, especially for girls to be able to say, wow, look at that role model. I can do that. It's so, so important. So we've put a lot of focus on that and making sure, um, you know, again, we're getting those people in for the first time as sort of a trial. And, you know, once they come, they're coming back. Yeah. We know that. And especially with the success of this team. But I will say for this fan base, this is the smartest group of fans. Like, you guys know when to boo. <laughs> You know when to cheer. You know what the call is. I mean, sometimes I'm sitting down there and I don't know what's been called. I just turn around and like nine people tell me. (laughs) They called a travel down there and she really didn't lift her pivot foot, you know. So I really appreciate the knowledge, the basketball knowledge that um, this fan base has um, and how much they love women's basketball. You never get on the phone here when our reps are selling and our office setup is really open so I can hear our account executives when they're on the phone with you or they're trying to sell, you never hear them explaining why women's basketball is good basketball here. Never. Like it's Connecticut, people in Connecticut are blind to it and it's awesome. And it due to a large part, you know, Gino and Yukon deserves a lot of that, but certainly this Lindsay Whalen and that group deserves a lot of uh, credit for that too. So that's a really cool thing. We're never really overcoming that objection. Yeah. You spoke to something really important and that's building the next fan, right? Like 
my mom always says, well, what are you going to do when you get old? And I'm saying, I'm still going to go to WNBA games, you know, like, so you just, uh, you just commit to it for life, but to sustain this league, to sustain what you guys have been able to enjoy for many years, to sustain women's basketball here, we do need the next generation of fans. And it's been great to see how those matinee games, those kids games um, are bringing in those next, the next generation. Before we take a question from the audience, you've, been around championship teams. You understand what it takes. Put your basketball hat on for me for a moment and just speak to what you've seen on the court from this year's team. Uh, I had the pleasure, Tariq and I actually had the pleasure of sitting next to Amber courtside one night for uh, one of your games. Don't and- say what I said, Kathy's <laughs> here. <laughs> I'm not sure uh, that she was being totally honest when she talked about a call that was, you know, missed because she didn't miss any bad calls. Uh, but... Your energy and your passion is there, and you understand what it takes. What do, do you see in this team that could take them to that championship level, to the finals this season? Yeah, I think the interesting thing about this team is how young they are, but we talk about their experience. You know, even though we've been to that elimination game two years in a row and lost that game, like, y- you can see that – um the experience and the growth because of that. And I think it really came through the other night versus Seattle. Mm-hmm. You were down seven with like, woo, that's right. Y'all were sweating, weren't you? Tell the truth. <laughs> Does everybody know the money, uh, the movie Moneyball? Yeah. Billy Bean, he never watches the games. I disappear the last two minutes because I'm back of house with our video guy screaming at him, the poor guy. <laughs> But, you know, we're down seven with 90 seconds left, and they just, you know, they believe in each other. This group is really bought into one another. They believe every single teammate on the court is going to make the shot. They are unselfish. You guys see that. The ball movement represents that. And then, you know, you see the emergence and the growth of somebody like John Quill Jones, who is, guys, a megastar. A megastar, and she is just scratching the surface. And you can see her leadership. You can see her speaking a little bit more. You can see her demanding the ball a little bit more. So I think it's just the continual growth and maturity of this team, the toughness that you see in a Tarasi and a Bird and those guys that have just been through the battles, won and lost, um, that, you know, whenever the time comes, you're then ready to take the next step. No, what really happened was I shot JJ a text message and said, hey, it's my birthday. You better pull it out. And that's what happened. Oh, is that Good what job. happened? Good job. Tarika does have that kind of pull. Um, I think we, if we have enough time, Tarika, can we take a question for the from We the do have time for, for one question. If anyone right. has a question. question. For Amber? Don't be nervous. She's on the hot seat. We She's just okay had a town it. hall. And oh, did man, Oh, so they got, it all all got it all out. They got it all out. Okay, well, I have one more. Okay. Um, what can we all do? You know, I know that you're someone who projects and you look out into the future of the WNBA and, and what we want this league to, to be, how amazing it is and how we want it to continue to grow. What if you had to name is one thing um, that we can all do to help sustain this league and to make it even better for the future? I mean, bring a friend. 
you know, and you guys do that on a continual basis. You're constantly spreading the good word, but it's even thinking about it maybe beyond your neighbor. It's, you know, what group are you involved in talking to your rep and, you know, saying, Hey, this is a nonprofit that I volunteer for, or maybe, you know, a business down the road that I frequent. I went and talked to the manager, like take it upon yourselves to be that ambassador on behalf of the team. Because you know all your reps that you're talking to, you guys know them personally. All you have to do is hand off the contact and we'll take it and run with it. Because, again, it really is about trial. It's about getting people in here the first time. So many people that walk in the door and they say, I don't know, like I watch women's basketball, my high school team. Right? And then they sit through one of our games and they go, man, they're athletic. Man, they're strong. Man, they're fast. What a game. And you're like, yes, I know. And they're coming back and they're, you know, and then the goal is to walk them up the ladder. They may come to four games next year and then become a season ticket holder. And that's where, you know, our processes and all the things that we do from a marketing and social media and engagement standpoint really becomes important. But any of those referrals that you have for us, I mean, we treat those like gold. And I know you guys are so great about that. Um, but that's that's really the key. Just more people. Yes. You are preaching to the choir. We're going to write those down because we'll carry those forward on our yes. podcast. But it's interesting Indeed. because we had a situation early this year where I was on Twitter all over Xfinity. And I was like, Xfinity, when I speak WNBA into my remote, nothing pops up. Yep. And we went on and we went on. And guess what? They fixed it. And so you have to raise your voice and get people behind you and inform each other. Like we should not have to search for this league schedule. We should not have to go the extra mile um, to be reminded about games and things coming up. So I, yes, you should be able to put on your favorites. I agree with that. Thank you for that. No, that's awesome. And I just want to say, you mentioned a town hall. We're going to have a great celebration tonight. Um, I just can't even tell you guys the job that Amber and her staff do to really make this a first-class organization, even more so than what I've seen um, across the league. And, you know, it's, it's changing. The world is growing. We got social media now. You got to keep up with that. You know, everything is changing and how you market. So, Amber, I just want to say thank you for treating the, this product the way you do, not just here in Connecticut, but the WNBA, being an advocate for so many of us. And thank you for allowing me to do some Sun games this year. I mean, aren't we lucky? I mean, I've aren't been we lucky, you guys? Well, we're lu- you're lucky until I have to come up after Rebecca, and under her name it says Hall of Famer, and mine says four-year starter. <laughs> Amber Cox, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Amber. All right. She's also best dressed for the for the night. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. Like, it's just she's doing this thing. All right. So we have our next guest who's in the building. And we are really excited about um, Kathy and everything she's bringing to the WNBA. I can say personally because she's a former player. Right. Uh, so that to me, we already have like a sisterhood of we used to be ballers. But also, and I, I'm going to say this like with a whisper. <coughs> I'm a Muffet McGraw fan, right? I like Gino too. Don't, hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. But you, you gotta admit, you gotta admit that Muffet's had some pretty good players over the years at Notre Dame and some of the WNBA. But I have a high respect for Muffet and all the players that seem to come from her legacy and from her program are just doing great things in the world. So please join me in welcoming our first WNBA commissioner, Kathy Engelbert. I'm a hugger. So. 
You have to. I'm, and, I'm from Atlanta. And mine says four-year starter as well. Okay, good. <laughs> hey, but we've done some things since then. You know, we took that those years of starting and those lessons learned and, and gone out into the world. And speaking of that, and I know you probably get asked this question a lot, but since you've had a little bit of time, which you've been like a month, month and a half, um, you were a highly successful executive at Deloitte. I mean, you're living the dream, right, at the highest level. Um, what was attractive to you about the WNBA taking this job? Yeah, great question, LaChina. So I, um, for those that don't know, I just spent a 33-year career in business, and I was retiring from that career, and I was trying to think of what would I do next. And, you know, I basically said I wanted to do something different, something with a broad women's leadership platform and something I had a passion for. So I am one of eight children. I have five brothers. I did play college basketball at a little school in Pennsylvania called Lehigh University. And that is where Muffet McGraw had her first head coaching job in 1982 when I showed up. And so I was coached by Muffet for four years. Also, my father was drafted by the Detroit Pistons in 1957 into the NBA. Um, now, he never played because his salary was very small for the NBA and was much larger in the corporate world, so he never ended up playing back then. Well, well, how times have changed. But, yes. But anyway, so it really was, you know, this passion for the sport and coming back to the sport after 33 years essentially away from it. Although I did coach my daughter's middle school basketball team, and the hardest thing I've ever done is to coach <laughs> girls – you know, grade five to eight. Um, but it taught me a lot, uh, and, and really thrilled to be back kind of, kind of back home for me. Um, cause I have basketball in my DNA. And, and so I'm so, uh, so excited to be taking on this role. You and Rebecca Lobo have that in common because she coaches, um, you know, little girls team, I believe one of her daughter's teams. And she just has all these stories about, um, you know, what that's like and going back to that experience. But I will say we're connected beyond just being for your starters. I have, 15 brothers and sisters. Wow. I know. We're going to have to save that for another podcast. <laughs> but um, I know what it's like growing up in a big family. Um, so you've had some time to kind of get out here. And I know you've been traveling and visiting with different teams. What is something that you've learned since taking the job that maybe surprises you that you didn't know about the WNBA? Yeah, I guess first I'm on, this is um, number six stop on my 12-city road trip by Labor Day, you know, right after Labor Day weekends, because I wanted to get to all 12 markets before the playoffs started. So that was important to me as I'm on this listening tour, meeting with fans, meeting with owners, GMs, players, media. So I really want to get out there and see, you know, each of the markets because we know we're all unique and, and obviously meet the players, which I had this great opportunity to start. And then four business days later at the All-Star, attended the All-Star game, which was great to meet the whole ecosystem of women's basketball. But so, you know, what has surprised me? Um, you know, uh, not much has really surprised me. I've been um, very positively surprised by the passion that our fans, I mean, we'll have over 1.1 million fans attend our games this year. And people don't know that. So what surprised me is, is how much we need to, and, and the question earlier, you know, hit it right on the head. We need to broaden the exposure for these elite women athletes year round and more broadly than the 12 cities. I mean, when you're only in 12 cities, if you think of other professional sports leagues, they're in 
a lot of other cities, um, 30 cities, obviously MBA. So we need to kind of broaden the exposure beyond just our 12 cities to get people when they're visiting, when they're in town, when they're players that maybe went to the college they did are playing, they come see them. So there's a lot of things, I think, tactically that I've been pleasantly surprised about, but we have a lot of work to do at the same time. You mentioned the NBA and something that often comes up is um, this partnership that exists with the NBA, the WNBA. What do you feel like has to happen in, in the exchange as it currently exists, right? Obviously, the NBA is fording a lot of money, putting a lot of money into the WNBA, and Adam Silver's talked about that. What are maybe some of the things that you are targeting in that relationship with the NBA that you want to change or be different over the next couple of years? Yeah, I think obviously having played the game, I know how different the women's game can be from the men's game, but I have been, again, pleasantly surprised at the support of the NBA. They have tons of capability. So whether it's we're going to build our sales and marketing capability, whether we're going to build the fan experience, the player experience, I mean, just a little thing having WNBA players added to, you know, the 2K video game is is actually going to broaden the exposure to a digital native and millennial population like my 18-year-old son who plays that game when I walk in his room I see it. Uh and so, you know, I think there's a lot of positive things we can build off the capability the NBA brings, but recognize that the W and our players are different. They're very socially conscious, community-minded. Um, they have strong voices, you know, elite players, you know, for instance, I mean, I didn't know this when I came in, you know, our Olympic team next year, the U.S. women's national basketball team will go for their seventh consecutive gold medal. And in the six gold medals they've won over 24 years, their record is 101. Unreal. Sounds a little like Unreal. UConn, by the way. So, um, <laughs> And, uh, and nobody's talking about it. So, I mean, I think this is going to be an important part of the way we market ourselves, but because we are different, we're not the NBA. And, and if this were the men's league that was 101 going for their seventh consecutive, you know, it'd be all, it would be the number one story. So, so I think this is something, you know, I'm, you know, very committed to, to drive the marketing and brand of this league to a higher level. I'm all about sharing and we all want to support women's sports, but I don't know if you guys were like me and watching our women's soccer team. I was so proud, but I was, I was also saying, I hope we get this for basketball. Yeah, right? that's, like, that's the point. That Capitalize same. off the momentum. You know, soccer, the World Cup's once every four years. We play every year in the WNBA, and then every four we do send a team of all WNBA players to the Olympics. So it's all interrelated, and we have to actually take off of our season next year yeah. for about a month. We will not have an all-star game because of the Olympic team. Um, so we can pour kind of some of our support during that time off into the Olympic team and really capitalize off that. And so, I mean, that's such a great you know, sign pointing north for the momentum of our league and our players is to capitalize off the marketing of that. In a moment, we'll take a question from the audience, but um, I have to ask you about a hot topic right now, the WNBA, and that's officiating. Um, <laughs> what has they're all said? They're all saying here. that was my question, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So you're saving everybody. You're saving right here that question, but. Um, you know, the players have been very outspoken about uh, their thoughts on the officiating fans. Um, just what is your position in this in the league and help us to understand how it works, how officials are held accountable, reviews and, and things like that? Yeah, so obviously I understand the passion for this sport and it comes out in, you know, the criticism of the officiating. And, and you know, no uh, referee is ever perfect. I don't think that that's... Um, 
you know, that's ever going to be achieved. But, you know, we do strive for consistency, consistency in the way the game is called, both sides, game night after night, night after night. So, um, so you know, it's obviously something we look at, something we review, something we train against. And I think, you know, as we get into playoffs in the offseason, it's something we'll be looking at further. But, you know, it's, it's the goal is consistency here. And obviously to make sure that our officials have the right training to deal with any evolution of the game and the physicality of the game and and make sure we're officiating correctly you know based on the rules of the game and and i think you know from that perspective we'll be looking at a lot of film and a lot of reviewing of you know this year's officiating um since I asked your question already, I'm going to steal one more quick question before I go to the audience. Um, thinking about the next year and the momentum heading into the Olympics, USA Basketball makes a big announcement about the players that will be traveling and playing against colleges and universities, Diana Tarazi, Sue Bird um, included in that. How does the WNBA plan on capitalizing on those players being in market in order to build some of that momentum headed into the Olympics? Yeah, so in case some of you missed that announcement at All-Star, we, the W, in collaboration with USA Basketball, are keeping eight players in the U.S. in the offseason to train and play in exhibitions against some of the bigger college programs so that we can position them really well to win that seventh consecutive gold medal. So that'll be very, very important. So we're looking forward to supporting that. And then there'll be, there'll be the eight players and then I think four rotating players as they go around the country and play in exhibitions and train, you know, because the other players outside the U.S. are, you know, getting much better. This is not a, you know, we're definitely going to win it. So we need to train and make sure our players are prepared and they gel from a, uh, you know, a connection perspective so that they can win this, this gold medal. So we're definitely going to capitalize on that. Um, you know, but we do have a lot of other players who, you know, uh, are part of our, our teams and our rosters. And I think it's important to continue to support them, which is what, what we're doing as well. And as you know, we're in collective bargaining discussions and we're looking at making sure that, you know, and I, in my prior life, I drove a very, what I've been calling people first agenda. And now we're going to drive a very player first agenda and make sure that, you know, I have three pillars of how I'm looking at transforming the league. One is the economics, the second is player experience, and the third is fan experience, so your experience. So those three are all interrelated with one another, and, you know, if you get more fans in the seats and we get more corporate sponsorships, we'll drive better economics for the league. We can pay the players more, give them better travel experience, and give you as a fan a better experience. So those are – it's a very multidimensional transformation, but, you know, from what I see in the month I've been here, um, I'm hugely optimistic uh, that, um, you know, we're, we've got a ton of momentum and, and I tell everybody, you know, we're, I'm coming in at a time and I'm so fortunate where we have a moment in women's sports, we have momentum around this league and we have a movement around women's empowerment. And so those three M's are such a, a you know, an important, it's such an important time to capitalize. Very much so. We have Our, a question over here. Let's oh, we've got a question. All right. Let's go. Let's hear it. Hi, over here. Um, I'm Jackie Smith. I'm a college coach and one of the friends of the fans here that uh, got an opportunity to be here. So I'm really excited and thank you for having this. Um, branching off what you just said, I'm curious because I'm surrounded by student athletes every day that are super invested in basketball. 
not skilled enough to play in this league, but want to stay in, involved in the game in some in some aspect, similar to your background, whether it be business, marketing, whatever it may be. Are there initiatives already in place that I can promote that young student athletes at graduating college that are looking for some experience can get into, or is there any initiatives in the works to help promote um, that you know young yeah. players can get into? I, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, one of the reasons I took this job is I want to make an impact on women and girls more broadly in the world. And I think um, it's proven, all the statistics show that women and girls who play sports are more successful in business and life. And, you know, because they have confidence. And in this male-dominated world that I certainly lived in, and hopefully it's changing, you know, having confidence and being having a strong voice and being confident that you can stand up because you played competitively or not even competitively is so important. So um, I think, you know, there's some things with USA Basketball that we're thinking of, especially to grow the game and make sure we're not losing players to volleyball and other sports because that athlete is who we usually, you know, uh, and, and there's a big dropout rate for girls when they're in their teen years. Uh, I know like my daughter played till sophomore year in high school and then dropped out of basketball and went and played lacrosse. And, you know, that's a popular sport too. So I think there's a variety of things we can think about and would love to work with you if you want to give me your card at the end and um, think about ways to, um, you know, make sure that these young women still stay. And it doesn't even have to be with the WNBA or, you know, with basketball, but still stay in sports because I think sports builds confidence and and leadership is built off of confidence, quite frankly. And I know I was a huge beneficiary of Title IX and and ultimately, you know, captaining my senior year. And I actually played lacrosse in college, too, when you could play two sports, uh, basketball and lacrosse. And and I was a huge beneficiary. So paying it forward from this perspective and for the players, too, uh, LaChina, one, one of the other reasons I took the job is to help them think about what they do post-basketball. Now, I know today they're 100% focused on basketball, and they should be, but, you know, ultimately when they retire they'll still have a long career ahead of them in something whether it's in broadcasting and and you're a great role model for this or whether it's in business or whether it's in government or whether it's in um you know a non-for-profit so whatever world they choose but preparing them also for that because i i know as a person who hired a lot of people over the past 10 years um I look for people with confidence and people who have played sports, especially women, have a huge amount of confidence. So we need to keep players who played engaged in sports so that they can drive, I think, a better, you know, kind of portfolio of how they then interact in the business world. Yeah, there was some research done recently, and actually Tarika and I um, hosted the Women's Sports Foundation on a podcast. They had some research in, con- in conjunction with Nike about girls between the ages of 7 and 13, and they surveyed them about why they are not playing sports or why did they start playing and then drop off. And it's interesting because in order to impact that number and get more girls interested in sport, you have to know why they're playing. And it was interesting to me because basketball, and I was probably similar to many of them, I just wanted to hang out with my friends at first, okay? And that's how it started. And so, and that's what many of them said. They're like, it's a time where I can get together with my friends. Well, then they show up and they're like, oh, but this is actually fun. You know, I was just coming because Susan was there or I could, you know. Um, but it's a very interesting study to your point. And there are a couple of organizations that are trying to help women stay engaged and working in sport 
post-athletic career, women leaders. I don't know if you've ever heard of them, women leader in college sports. Um, and then there was another organization that I just thought about. I know that um, – Wise in different cities does some things, women in sports and entertainment. So you may want to try to connect with some of those organizations. But on the professional side, there hasn't been as much. Uh, Wise, I think, is another. Oh, no, no, sorry. Awesome. No, no, no. I'll get back with you when I think of the other organization. <laughs> but there are some that are out there trying to make a difference. But I do think that, you know, I mean, we've said it a number of times. When women play basketball or they play in sport and they go on to the front office, not only are they successful, but they know what it takes. You know, they, they've been there um, and, and they've played the sport. And they have a passion for it. So we need more women le- leaders, period. Uh, we'll take another question. Yes. Yeah, and that's what I was referring to when I said one of my pillars was to look at the economics of the league and the teams and, you know, and, and again, one of the issues is, you know, we brought up coverage, we brought up exposure for these players, and, you know, we need to work on um, a platform to essentially sell more corporate sponsorships, which will help bring in some more capital that then we can fund higher player pay. So, I mean, there's an economic model here that makes sense. Um, and we're not there right now. Um, and so once we trans- transform on these pillars, economics, player experience, fan experience, uh, I think we'll be having a different conversation. Now, the goal is not to have parity with, you know, other male men's professional sports. The goal is to drive the league, drive the brand of these players. These are elite women athletes, the best in the world. Drive their brand up, attract corporate sponsorships, get more fans in the seats, broaden the fan base, broaden the revenue base, maybe do different things to, you know, bring in sponsors to to sponsor different events that WNBA players play in. Uh, and then I think the player pay, player travel experience, all these other things get fixed. Um, and uh, I think that's an important message that I think, you know, as we're talking with the players, as I'm doing my listening tour, you know, people understand there's an economic model here to support better pay for our players and better experience for our players. And we're going to need all of your help. And, and, you know, I loved Allison's answer to that question. You know, um, you know, it's, it's getting more fans in the seats and broadening the fan base. And I think, again, there's a lot of things, whether it's the why it's the NBA 2K game, um, it's the Disney experience just open. It has a WNBA element, you know, it's the Olympics. It's um, there's a lot of positives right now. And we have a, the most diverse league of any professional sports. And we're the only women's professional sports league that has survived over two decades in our consequential 23rd year. So, you know, I think we got a great platform to sell and market. We just need to elevate that sales and marketing and we need a year round conversation for our players so that, you know, they feel like the WNBA is their job. Yes, that's what we're aiming for. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she was addressing. And again, we're, we're, again, it's part of the pillars, you know, quite frankly, because we're such a competitive league and we have 12 players on each team and sometimes first round draft picks don't even make teams because we're so competitive. You know, some players actually need to play to get better overseas, but our star players do not, you know, generally do not. So I think, you know, not everybody's the same in what they need to do in the off season and everybody wants to train. Some want to play overseas, some don't. So again, and we'll keep these eight, you know, elite players in market this year and they won't be going overseas. Those eight. Yeah. And 
Yeah, they can go over there and make a little money. Well, but the thing is, too, I mean, a lot of players benefit from the development overseas. Um, And I will say that personally, if I could go back, I did have an an offer when I was getting ready to leave Wake Forest to go overseas. I should have lived in Italy and played basketball (laughs) for whatever money they were going to pay me while I was young, okay? Yes, pay me to travel and play basketball, that I will do it. But, yes, yes, um, but like you said, every player is different. Kathy Engelbert, ladies and gentlemen, thank thank you you so much. Awesome. Thank you. Um, So before we bring up our next group, I think Tarika has some giveaways. Just a little bit. I mean, I don't know if you guys like hats or T-shirts or stuff like that. But, but they have to answer a question or something. They don't have to you're answer. not getting this for just Yeah. Okay. Like, and I'm these are sure. super tough, hardcore questions. Like, I dug in the basement to get these questions. So we're going to find out. I hope they're Connecticut Sun specific because some of these people are saying they've been around a long time. I know. So, I so know. someone said they were here. They were fans for like five, seven years. Oh, my. This is so hard. Are y'all ready for the super hard hard question it's totally not hard (laughs) so for this awesome espnw hat um who was the head coach of the sun when Lindsay was drafted here so hard right who tell me who yes so hard good job okay super hard super 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 hard okay um what years back to back did the Connecticut Sun appear in the WNBA finals? Wait, you gotta you gotta what? be picked on. You'll say it, don't say it out loud. You can't say it out loud, you may give it away. I think I saw somebody over here who knows it. Who I know? 2004, 2005. No cheating over here. 2004, 2005. Yes. That is correct. I was, I was six years old. Okay. Go ahead, Rika. I'm, I'm just, I'm just being honest. You, all right. We got another gift. So we have one more. Okay. We got one more. Just one more and then we'll do some later. Okay. Just one more. This is so hard, guys. So since it's way, since it's way day. Um, we know that she went to college in Minnesota. What Power Five conference is Minnesota located in? Oh, well, we only got have one hand, so Big Ten. Big Ten. You know what the problem is? All y'all know is Big East and American Athletic Conference. (laughs) I can tell. I can look in your eyes. I can look in your eyes. Considering I'm from Detroit, it was a little biased there because that's Big Ten is my conference. Not, so there not, you go. And not only, okay, but One after that year, year, they're back. To I Big know East. y'all are so happy to be back in that Big East. I can see it. Look, they were like, "Goodbye, American, back in the Big East." All right. So right now, joining me on the stage, and I'm mad because both of them look cuter than me already and haven't even gotten up here. Uh, many of you raised your hand and said you remember the early years of the Connecticut Sun. Well, these two players were here. We may or may not have a little uh, mini reunion brewing here, but first up... Two-time WNBA champion, six-time WNBA All-Star, Taj McWilliams Franklin. Come on up. (laughs) 
And then joining Taj, it's her former teammate, seven-time WNBA All-Star and three-time a gold medalist, Nakisha Sales. And yes, former Yukon Husky. <laughs> I know I know y'all were waiting on that. I could see it in your eyes. Um ladies, how are you? Oh, yes, really? grab the microphone. Grab the mic. Grab the mic, Um for somebody. <laughs> well, first and foremost, thank you guys for being here on this special night uh, where we will be honoring this one over here in the front, none other than Lindsay the Goat Whalen. Um, hey, girl, how you doing? Good, 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 good. So when you land here and you start to just have those early memories and reflect on the Connecticut sun, what, what comes to mind for you guys in those early years? Because y'all, y'all did start having success. That, that 405 happened quickly. But from just an environment standpoint, a new place for a new WNBA team. What were those early years like for you guys? Well, it probably was a little different for me because I'm from Connecticut. So I was actually coming back home. I was uh, at UConn, and I went to Orlando for a few years, and then I came back home. So it was a little different for me. I was happy to be back. Obviously, the Connecticut fans are awesome here. The atmosphere is always great, and we wanted to bring that winning tradition to the Connecticut Sun. Uh, How about you, Todd? <laughs> it was new for me because <laughs> I'd never even been in Connecticut before coming here to play as one of the few states I'd not been in. So it was a, a new experience, a new environment coming from Orlando where virtually no one knew about us to Connecticut where it was packed every night and people were really excited to be there. So for me, it's just, when I come back, it's it's like coming home, even though this isn't my home, home away from home. So um, when you step in, you're like, oh, I remember that. I remember that. But most of all, like Nikisha said, you remember the fans and the warm reception we always got here. How did you develop your chemistry, your identity in those early years with, you know, what you wanted to be as a team, as a franchise? Like early on, there was so much to be decided. What do you guys remember about that process of, of figuring that all out? Well, I think um, when Coach Tebow came here, he was a very smart coach. Um, he, he knew his personnel, and he had his jail well. Um, Lindsey came in and made a big difference. I mean, I know it's her day, but she actually made a d- big difference in our team. She's a great leader. Um, she was a great assist. You know, she can score. She can get in the paint, which created a lot for everybody else. I mean, sometime I remember back in the day, sometime we, we used to play without even – calling plays and that's hard to guard you know but getting us to do things like that stepping out of our box you know learning each other and that's the only way you learn each other if you can go out there and play without calling plays you really know your personnel so I think when we started to, to play like that it started to change the game for us and put us in a position to really really be tough to guard tough to play against and you know hard to hard to uh, match up against and you probably both understand I'm sure Lindsay's, um, as she's over here texting and we're talking. She's a head coach um, now. You got, she's a head she's coach got, now. She's, she's got, got different responsibilities. She's dealing with over here in the front row. Um, she got players she's in, in control of now, so we understand. But we, we think about veterans like you guys, right? And then you bring in Lindsay Whalen, who this is her first time being away from home because she's from Minnesota, played in Minnesota, and she's... 
going to be relied on to help organize and be be the the leader. How did she earn you guys' respect? Um, what was it about Lindsay and the way she went about um, doing her job that allowed her to take the reins and for you guys to kind of all follow her lead? I think it was toughness. It was something that we know about. We we'd seen because we'd been playing pro um, before she had, but just the toughness. Never say die. She was always working to be better. Um, in practice, she would take those hits, get up, and keep going. And I think when you have someone who does that, it, it's easy to respect where they're going and what they've been through. Um, and I, I saw the Final Four she was in. I, I understood Minnesota. Minnesota nice, but she's also Minnesota tough. And I mean, the kid played hockey growing up, so you kind of got to know that <laughs> when you, you know, when you have a leader that's willing to do those things, you fall in line pretty easily. You guys had a lot of talent. I was looking at, you know, just some of the players from those teams and, um, you know, the Debbie Blacks, obviously, uh, Margo. Um, I mean, so many players. What are some of the memories that you guys have from, like, especially the finals runs, uh, either around Lindsay or just being together and, and really having success in, in those early years? I think the best part about it for me was um, – you know, when we first started and we first got here, we were always picked last. I mean, on paper, we just weren't that good. I mean, people just thought we weren't that good. And as we started to, you know, play together and now these names, you start to notice these names. And now, you know, we're in, in the finals and now, you know, everybody wants to come to Connecticut. That's kind of how it did because, like, we were – it was almost like starting from the bottom, you know, and, and just – you know, earning their respect and the fans were always there. They had our back. So that was easy, you know, to have that support. But I mean, we just eventually worked so hard and, and figured it out that we kind of gained everybody respect. And all those names when we first started were, we were finished. We were picked like eighth. I don't know how many teams, right? <laughs> yeah. It was like, Oh, they're, they're last for sure. And then we started to figure it out quick. Yeah. How about you? Anything in terms of the players or memories in those? Back-to-back finals. It was just a group of unique individuals. Mm-hmm. I think that's a, the best way to say it. Um, outside of really not big names. I know no one had ever heard of me. I've been playing overseas for all those years, the ABL. Um, coming into Orlando, I don't know, third round. I was almost the last pick. Brooke, KT had been at Purdue so and just won a championship a couple years before. But a lot of the players we had on that first – the first year we went to the finals were players that – as she said, no one really thought would do anything together. But I think the chemistry and, and the specialness of our bond, um, day in, day out, fighting through that thought that no one really believed in us. And then Mike Tebow had a lot to do with that. His leadership was was important for us because he also always believed that we were better than what people would say. And I think you have to have that in order to validate you every day going to practice, working that hard. And he worked as hard in practice like – you have to have someone that says you can do it. You're better than this. Keep going. And to yell and scream at you. Not not Gino yell and scream. <laughs> but, but, you know, somewhere near that that spot. But people don't know that's the extra motivation. When they, you know, they think you're not going to be any good. And, I mean, that, that's that extra motivation to prove them wrong. So they actually helped us. 
And I don't know if Gino yells and screams, at least from the outside, as much as he sighs and rubs his hair. When he, when he, when he, when he gets this move right here going and he strokes that hair back. That's, 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 that's the, that's, that's the new Gino. Oh, old school yeah. Gino yelled yeah, right. The new, the new school. Point. Remember, yeah, this he was doesn't, that's true. We get, we get on him all the time now. He just doesn't yell at anybody now. Back in the day, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, I knew that it was a different era. I think when I turned on the game one time this year, he had on a sweater. And I was like, Gino's wearing a sweater right now? Like, what? what is happening? He's like Jim Foster all of a sudden, right? He's kind of getting up there. Don't tell him I said that. Um, but tonight we're going to celebrate Lindsay Whalen and specifically what she has meant to the Connecticut Sun, but she's also meant a great deal to women's basketball, to WNBA. Um, in your, in your opinions, each of you, what has been the stamp of her legacy? Uh, some people say, you know, greatest point guard. It's the way she played the game. It's the selflessness she played with. Um, how she just got, she, it, it seemed like, especially covering for me, cause I was, in kindergarten when y'all played. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But for me, for me, covering... (laughs) I was. I got held back a couple years. Um, But for me, um, covering especially the Minnesota teams, I realized that Lindsay had her own relationship with every player on the team. It was like she knew how to motivate that player. She knew they had their own high five or their special (laughs) nickname. So there are a lot of different things that we may appreciate her for. But what will be her legacy in the eyes of you guys? Well, I think the way she played the game, and that's a part of the way she plays the game, she learns her personnel. Um, Like you said, the relationship she had with everybody she uh knew what each player was good at and put them in positions to do that. Um, there's many times where she could just take over a game. She sacrificed her body, the way she got in that paint and made things happen. Not a lot of point guards do that, but Lindsay will go in there and she could bang with the best of them. But I think it's the way she plays the game. She's a great leader. She's not necessarily a yeller. You don't have to be a yeller to be a leader, but she makes sure she connects with all her players where they respect her and trust her and that makes it easier to play the game. I know Lindsay hates this, by the way. (laughs) Tell Um, some secrets. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It's hard to put into words. I think because I was older than Lindsay, um, I had a different uh, relationship with her than most players. But it was always about, I think, the respect. Respect for the game, respect for yourself, and respect for the way you come to work every day. Um, And that, for me was how she connected to me and connected to a lot of other players. Um, and I think that was important throughout our relationship, even in many when I went there and she was there and running the team there. I think that we have a foundation of trust, respect, and understanding that gets you through a lot. And I think that piggybacks onto what Nikisha said about each person has a different relationship with her. And I think that's important. And you can't be the same way with every person that you play with because it just doesn't work. The same thing that may motivate me may not motivate Nikisha or KT or Brooke or Jesse Hicks. <laughs> I know I, I threw y'all Jesse. back. <laughs> That's way back. I threw y'all way back to Jesse Hicks. Yeah, because I heard y'all had five rookies the year that Wade came in, right? There's some did. of those names. I was like, some of those rookies didn't make it because I had never heard of that one before. Um, That's true. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. You did. Um, 
Tarika, I'm sorry. We're going to take, can we take a, oh, we have to, we can't take a question from the audience? We can definitely take a question from the audience. I think you have four chairs on stage. <gasps> oh, yeah, you mean it's time to bring up our special guest? Yeah. Join me in welcoming <laughs> Lindsay Whalen. DJ Way. Have, yeah, switch. Come on, DJ Way. Yeah, switch. There you go. We've been talking about you a little bit, just in case you didn't know, um, reminiscing a bit. How are you? Really good. Really good. Thanks good. for having me. Oh, th- thanks for having me. Did you hear? It's her I'm night. I'm new to the pod. I'm it's, new to the pod. Oh, yeah, you are. First time, long time. First Tariqa time, long what? Time. She has, she's been on probably, you may be close to our... One of our top guests. Like, I think so. Long time listener. Two I, or three. Long time listener. I knew oh, it was real okay. when she followed me on Twitter. I was like, oh, y'all not going to see she this. She did? I don't yeah. even know if she's following me. <laughs> you know what? I just tagged you, you on know. Instagram. No. On Instagram you are? Yeah, I just tagged you on Instagram. Oh, thank you. You yeah. know what I mean? That's what I was doing. I wasn't texting. Oh, when she called you out. I was posting. She called you out, right? When she called you out. I don't, I don't do social media. Oh. You know. oh. No, okay. Not I'm doing social media? Taj is too good. I follow you. I follow you. Yeah. You, you post some I tagged y'all. I tagged yeah. y'all. I'm like, y'all amen on every post. I had to post because you guys were saying nice things about me. Oh. Well, of course we would because we're celebrating you tonight. Um, so I, first of all, what struck me, and I listened to David Siegel's podcast as well, um, the Suncast, which was great, but, your first time really being away from home. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I'm trying, you know, I know my mom was, was, uh, was sad when I went to college, but I went an hour away and, and she was, so I was right there. I mean, I, I could come home every weekend if I wanted to, but when I got drafted out here that first time I left, she was like distraught because I was her oldest and I'm leaving and going across the country and, um, and so, yeah, I think it was, I think it was hard on my mom right away. But, um, you know, for me, this is where I really grew up. This is where I really got to actually have that kind of going away from home where I was out. I was, you know, I wasn't on my own, but you, for the first time, you're really on your own. And that was a lot of the time in my career when I also went overseas. So it was like, you were really had to learn all these, um, different life skills that, that end up, you know, hopefully leading you to success. But it was because, of my time here in Connecticut, it was because of all of um, those experiences and, and those teams, and we had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, we had a ton of fun. It was, um, you know, it was, you know, for me coming in as a rookie, um, Debbie started the first game, you know, against Phoenix, and I started after that, um, and so it was, it was Keish, KT on the wings, and then Wendy and Taj in the post, and they had all been playing for a couple years at that point. And I was a rookie, and so I really had to really, um, you know, grow into that role. And I, you know, and I tried to not, uh, you know, come in and do too much. And then I remember one practice, these guys were like, hey, we drafted you fourth overall for a reason. You need to shoot the ball. Because I was like, I was like, I was, Whoa. and I think it was KT kind of let it because she's like, hey, you need to shoot. Shoot the ball when you're open, you know, because I think the first couple games we weren't and we didn't win those first couple games at home. And I was just like, OK, I'm going to pass, 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 pass. And then once I kind of got a, once they pushed me to like, no, you have to be a threat on the floor, too. Um, things got really good that year. and We ended up going to the all the way to the finals. So um, but that was just, you know, one instance of of where these guys really, really pushed me into that into that role and, and really helped me a lot. 
you mentioned life skills and this can be on the court or off the court. How did these two guys maybe help you in that maturation process? Well, let's see. Um, I don't think we did our job, did we? (laughs) What's that? Um, Um. let's see the first one. Uh So the first one, so Taj, I remember it was, uh, it was later in the season. It might've even been after the season. We were, we were all hanging out and we were talking about, everybody was talking about where they're going overseas, you know, and everybody's like, all right, where are you going? Are you going, where are you going? And then everybody had their, their countries and everything. And Taj was like, wait, where are you going? I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't think overseas is for me. Like I'm, I'm good. You know, I I think, I think I'm good. And, And she said, and she said, do you not like money? <laughs> I, said, I did actually say and that. And I said, yeah, I think I do. I do. I mean, I do. I do. Uh, so I was like, so I really, that really, that stuck with me ever since. And I played 10 years overseas straight after that. Um, I didn't stop for 10 years until I had, I, the only breaks I took was for surgery. Um, yeah. You know. And Todd, how long had you been playing at that point when she... Got what? Two thousand four. How long have you been playing overseas? How My long? first year overseas was oh, okay. ninety three. I oh. think you weren't born then. If we're going in the right, yeah, chronicle. you're right. Yeah. Wow. She got that joke in before you did. <laughs> <laughs> she did because she knew where I was going. I was like, whoa. But really, I was just trying to add up the money. I was like, oh, Taj. Okay, ninety three. So you had long money that day. Yes. Um. How about Keisha? Um, now she's a Connecticut, so right. hopefully she that's helped right. to, that's right. to no to question help you learn. Keisha about was the- always, you know, like she would when we would come to an event, she'd kind of be quiet, and then she'd get the mic, and it would just be over, and it was like Keisha just, you know, had the had the crowd in the palm of her hand, and she just was able to connect so well. Um, but one other story uh, in particular. Um, so my first year before, so we had to share we shared cars, right? And so until all the rookies got to the ledges where we lived. Do they still live there? Yeah. No. No. Okay. But, but anyway, the remember ledges the ledges? And Groton. So. Groton, Groton. Until, je- so the, ro- the, ro- the, um. I didn't say that. Until, so all the rooks, so like I got draft, so I was staying at the ledges. All the other rookies were here until the roster was filled out, right? And so a couple of days, like, you know, I think I shared a car with Keish maybe for like a week until me and Jess shared a car. Just, I had to get a ride, you know? And Keish was like, yo, yo, you want to stop at McDonald's, yo? I was like, yeah, I'm in for McDonald's. And we pulled through McDonald's after practice and I'm, she's like, what do you want? I'm like, I'm going to get a quarter pounder, a milkshake and, and a large fries. And she's like, dang, you going in. And I was, then I was like, yeah, I'm a pro athlete now. I probably, let me get the, uh, I, I'm gonna not get the extra value menu. So, um, so, so Keish taught me a little bit about moderation that afternoon. So I was like, yeah, you know, you can, you can get by with just a cheeseburger and, and a small fry. You don't need to go in because, I, but I was, I mean, I was still living that college quarter pound with cheese lifestyle. You know what I mean? I probably, I probably shouldn't have brought her to McDonald's, but. No supersizing though. But we didn't, we didn't have a lot on the way from the casino to Groton. We did, yeah. We we might have had two stops that stayed open after the game and it was like McDonald's and one other thing. So, (laughs) to my defense, (laughs) that diner used to be open that I went to. Oh, Oh, there was a diner on the way. The diner. The spot, the spot. Oh, now they've moved it. What about the spot? 
Okay, good. It's good. I'm going Somebody there Somebody stopped at a spot in the way. Who was that? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, and so, Lindsay, everyone that has played with you has talked about, you know, the impact that you have on any team you've ever played on, right? And, not, and, and kind of naturally, the point guard tends to be the person that set the tone. As you left Connecticut, what areas do you feel like you grew the most in that point guard position while you were here or learned the most or that prepared you for not just what you accomplished in Minnesota, but where you are as a head coach now, like what were these, what did these years mean to your development? Yeah. Well, I think I, I learned how to be a pro. And so I learned, I, I mean, I had, you know, players who have been playing for a lot of years at a really high level, um, you know, won national championships and, and played overseas. And, and so, and then, and then coach T, you know, he really kind of, um, it was an, it was an adjustment from college to, to, to pros. All of a sudden you have, you know, not everything is scheduled throughout your day and even the pregame warm up, you know, it's just kind of how you feel to get ready for the game. And so I had really good role models to kind of show me the way. And this is how you do, this is how you take care of your body. This is how you make sure you're ready for games and make sure you're ready for training camp. And as the season wears on like different tricks of like therapy and different things that you need to do that you just wouldn't have known if you weren't around a really good group of vets. And so, uh, I would just say learning how to be a pro too. And that was a lot from, from these guys and, and a lot from coach T for sure. When you think about where the WNBA is now, and I, and I pose this question to all of you guys, um, not just on the court, but the popularity of the league, what you see happening in social media, and, you know, everyone has their own opinions of where the league is or where it needs to go or grow and all those things. But um, what do you think is the has contributed most from to the growth of the WNBA from your time here to now? I guess I'll go first <laughs> since I'm still there. Um, I, I think it's the legacy that players have left for the younger players to follow. And I, again, everyone has an opinion on where it should be headed and where it's, where it's been and what should be done next. But I think what, what you see now is the legacy that players who've played and have sacrificed have left behind and how it's growing and developing into this literally global global game for women and I think that's important you know looking at the junior NBA on Twitch watching those young girls compete and being side by side with the boys there um, was an important step as well her time to play the new initiative to help young girls stay in the game I think when you when I think back I always think about the players that I watch Ann Donovan um, Ann Myers all of them, Nancy Lieberman, how they moved, Lynette Woodard, how they moved the needle to where Lisa was and Yolanda Griffith and Lauren and then to us and how we're moving the needle for the, the ones that are coming now and how Candace Parker is doing it for and um, Dewana Bonner and Diana Tarazi, Sue Bird, how they're moving the needle. And I think that's what's, I guess, fulfilling, being able to see that the needle's moving for every generation and the legacy that you've left behind, myself, Nikisha, KT, Lindsay, yourself, that others can pick that up and keep moving, whether it's with the social justice that many of our players are engaged with, whether it's trying to prevent them from being in Europe if they don't want to and having more money and easier travel and making the league profitable for their kids and their kids' kids. I think, for me, I'm really excited about the future of that, and I hope to be sitting in, in, in my chair, in my rocking chair, because, you know, I'm, you know, according to you, I'm like 80 right now. 
my rocking chair and, and watching we all Lindsay Whalen's little man or young lady play and being really excited about uh, the path that I helped um, blaze for that young person. I love that. Very well said. How about you, you guys? You want us to go after that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Um, well, I think um, just keeping a, a great product on and off the court helps. I, I think when we were younger, um, watching the people that came before us made us want to work hard and be better and be as great as them. And by us doing our job and going out there and working hard and creating this product, you know, that would inspire the people coming behind us. And it's not just on the court, but off the court too. Now there's so many opportunity for women. That's because all the people that have paid the way have put, you know, everyone in a great position to have jobs outside of just playing on the court. You know, they're really, really looking into hiring a lot of women in a lot of these positions. And that's just because of everybody that's come before have done their job on and off the court. So I think it's important that we continue to have positive role models, doing great things, working hard on and off the court. We follow them and then we could keep this product going and, you know, create a lot more and more and more. I mean, we're still in a position to, to get some of these jobs. You know, the the older folks are still, you know... <laughs> getting these phone calls to represent the WNBA, the NBA, which is great. So that means that, you know, we've done our job throughout the years with inspiring others to, you know, continue to be great. I love it. Awesome. And Lindsay, and in particular, I know you had shared some remarks. Um, Diana had come out with some comments about the WNBA and different feelings that she had, very strong feelings, which I'm sure you all are used to. Um, but And you tweeted some things about legacy, but just curious, you know, your thoughts on, on it. Yeah, I mean, you know, for me, I think where, you know, with this season – um, you know, I think that the product on the floor, I think the players on the floor, um, the coaches, I think we need a little bit more help moving the needle forward because like Tosh said, that's what's all about. That's, that's what we've all really tried to do. And that's what we all put, you know, so much time and effort and training and, you know, your career, um, you know, that's why you, that's why you did it was, was of course to have, you know, make a living and do all those things and get to play basketball and all those things are great. But then you want the next group to, to be able to really have it even better. Mm -hmm. And so, but I think we're in a position now where I think it's, I think it's time that we need a little bit more help. I think that with the way the amount of unfortunately injuries this year mm -hmm. that have really affected a lot of players, a lot of teams. And so, um, and I don't, I, you know, I don't know, I don't really have the answer for that because I don't know what it would take necessarily, but I know that there's people a lot smarter than me right now that are working on that. And, um, I know that they're going to sit down after the season and, fi and, and figure it out with the new, the new collective bargaining. So I, I just think it's, um, I think the players for years and years and years and I, and the league has done tremendous as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but I just think it's, um, I just think it's time for, for a little bit more. Um, I, I'm really happy to see what, what USA basketball has done with, um, with, um, this keeping, I think it's eight yes. and then they're going to kind of bring in a couple more, um, on kind of probably a, you know, a week to two week, um, basis and scrimmage, uh, a lot of the ex, you know, play against the college teams. Um, which is, I think really great because I think this is going to give, um, 
you know, like sue Diana really, you know, good shot at this next, um, this next Olympics and, and that whole team. Um, and so, yeah, I like where they're, I like where they're headed. Now, now let's see. Um, yeah, this, this off season is going to be really big. Yeah. It's definitely a big one. So yes, before we take a question from the audience, um, I, I just have to ask one thing that I like collecting as I've studied Lindsay Whalen along the way is nicknames. And I'm just curious um, if she had anything special in Connecticut because in, in Minnesota, she was Wheezy, Wheezy F. Whalen. That was her nickname there. Um, yes, it was. Um, you knew that. Oh, you maybe that might have been Postage. Did you remember that nickname? I never called her that. Oh, okay. That was there. You never heard. It's oh, always you never heard DJ with me. Oh, DJ. DJ so tell us about DJ. DJ, she spins the ball on the court. Like the oh, DJ, give you what you want when you want it. DJ, throw your Way. hands up in the air, catch that ball, make that. That's DJ you Way. Do a little self-appointed nickname in college. <laughs> yes, DJ Way. DJ you gave Way. yourself that, <laughs> <laughs> and you told spin everybody the, else to call you that. Yes. Oh, good. <laughs> and then Taj, spin the rhymes and drop the dimes. You know? Oh, <laughs> so you can rap before, too. This. Before we, dime started his way was. Was oh, the rapper. Oh, DJ Way. I was going to say, you got a couple bars you want to leave us Go with? Ahead, that was my kid. Like I said, that was, that was my kid. We'll give you a moment to work on that. that. I do have, <laughs> though, 10 years ago. I do have a, a story um, that Coach Tebow shared with me about you. No. But we'll oh, no. stay tuned. We'll come back to that. We're going to first take a question from the audience. Let her bring you the see? mic, please. Yes, we'll make sure we can hear you. <laughs> Does Rosie like to scream? Lindsay, growing up in uh, with basketball, who was your idol? And if it was a WNBA player, how did it feel to play against them? So the WNBA started when I was in the ninth grade. So growing up, at first my favorite player was Charles Barkley. So I'm really a powered forward, just in a shorter person's body. Uh, and then my, Agree. and then my next favorite player was Kevin Garnett. Once we got, because then we got the Timberwolves in like 1990, so we didn't have the Timberwolves right away. So then at first it was Charles Barkley, then Kevin Garnett. Um, and then, you know, I would go to some, I, I would go to some Lynx games, then so Katie Smith. Um, like my junior year, senior year of high school, go and watch them, and and so. Katie Smith was it for for all of us there watching the WNBA. It doesn't surprise me that two of the three players you named, I would say, are complete like bullies on the court. Yes, <laughs> because you could move First around. First of all, two and, of the okay, three, all three of them. You KG felt like well, KG bully? was more of a verbal bully than a physical no. bully. But yes, I, I do. Katie Smith, I would not want to meet her in a dark alley and her be upset with me because I think she could really. I mean, um, and then Charles Barkley, of course. Uh, very good question. Uh, do we have another question in the audience. Wait, 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 you gotta wait for the. We want. Taj wants you guys to wait for the mic so she can hear your melodious voice. You got your old four shirt on. We see you. Yeah. I'm just wondering how you like coaching. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah. Last summer was crazy. So, um, it was around the summer last time that I was playing my last game here, and then two weeks later I was into the into the season essentially. So, I you know I love it. Um. You know, practices, the games, all that, getting ready for, you know, putting your, your plan together and everything. Uh, I had to really, you know, and being a point guard and playing in that position really helped me communication wise, but it's a whole nother level as far as coaching, uh, both to the team and then in one on one, just a lot more communication. I, I learned that really quick that 
you know a drill or you know what you see and then to actually communicate it to the team or to a player is, is a whole different ball game. So, um, I had a real quick, like, lesson, like, kind of, I, I, you know, uh, uh, you know, pretty good on the job training with that as far as getting into it, you know, and, um, and then I, you know, by the end of the season, I was having, um, once a week, uh, daily check in, like, one on one meetings with my players just to, like, touch base, cause, um, I, you know, you just, that communication is so vital. You, you just want to know where everybody's, how, where everybody's at and everybody's feeling, so. I have a good story for you guys after this about okay, we'll, away on we'll, the phone. We'll, uh oh, okay, we'll take one more question, then we'll go to Taj. Yes. Uh, Lindsay, I just wondered what, um, how, your Olympic experience with, uh, Gino being the coach, how was that? Yeah, it was, um, you know, the first, uh, so 2010 was my first year when we, when I made the world championships team and we, uh, won in Czech Republic. And that year I was probably going to the camp. I was maybe like the fifth guard on the depth chart. It was, I had been, after I left here, I was in Minnesota. We had my last year here. We didn't make the, make the playoffs. My first year in Minnesota, we didn't make the playoffs. And, and that year was the year we didn't, we didn't make the playoffs. I was in camp the whole time. So it was, it was really, uh, really looking back, it was a really pivotal part of my, my career because, um, going into that camp, there was, um, you know, Renee, Lindsay Harding, Cappy, uh, Sue, Di- there's a lot of guards in front of me and, you know, Sue and Diana were, I mean, they're going to make the team. Um, and then, uh, you know, f- some, d- you know, different things happened and, and I ended up making the team and, and earning a spot onto that team. And, um, like every other day, Gina would be like, do you really want to make this team? Do you really want to make this team, Lindsay Whalen? I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't, I never had a coach just, you know, right, right like that to you. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I'm here. So yeah, I want to make the team, you know, and he's like, well, da, da, da. and then as it got, even as it got closer, like the day before I'm, he told me I made the team, he's like, do you want to make this team, Lindsay Whalen? Do you want to make this team? Um, and, and he just had a way, you know, the, the greatest thing about, to me, the greatest thing for my time from from playing for Gino on the national team was we always really felt like we were we always felt like we had the best chance to win the game. We always felt like we were the best team when we left every practice or every shoot around. Really, um, maybe it was probably different at your time in college, Keish. But at that point, he I don't know. He really was um, he was just so positive. He was really positive. Like every day we left, like we were the best team in the world, and we were expected to be because. Um, you know, it's the, it's the Olympic team or the national team, but it, we really, that was the biggest thing I took away is every day we left feeling like we were, like we had a great practice or we did well or we overcame something. It was just, you always felt like you were really, um, moving in the right direction as a, as a team it was really cool. Love that. All right, Taj, what you got to share with us? So after Lindsay got the job, she was, uh, I don't know, were you in your office? And I called her and I went into one of the office. I was this, interim head coach with Dallas at the time. Um, and we were talking on the phone. I don't know. We talked about two hours, but in the middle of talking, I'm like, so how's it feel? And she's just like, yo, they came, they're like coming to me, talking about the color of the uniform. What kind of car? I don't know what kind of car I need to drive. I don't know where the uniforms you got. What, what's wrong with the uniforms? I got to pick out uniforms. I got to figure out what car I'm going to drive. I was listening on the phone. Other stuff right off the bat. I'm like, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how to pass this recruiting exam and do all that stuff. Like, it was like, now what? Now where do you want the Gopher logo to be in the shorts? I'm like, what they have it last year? Where was it last year? 
Don't that. They learn real quick. Like, don't kind of like just somebody else do that. I'm like, I, uh, uh, I, yeah, I ain't doing all that. But the good thing is that you did have friends to call, right? And I think that's what we see on this stage is friendship and. Playing on a team together, being in those battles, there's nothing like it. And you guys created so many great memories for these fans and so many of us. So thank you for not only this time, but everything you've done for the Connecticut Sun and for the WNBA. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And if you want to hear me share the story that Coach Tebow told me about Lindsey Whalen, you'll have to hear that at halftime when I interview her. So... <laughs> We'll talk about it then. Um, with that, we are done. We just want to thank everyone so much um, for coming to this and for listening and to all the support for Around the Rim. I want to thank Tarika um, thank for you. all of her help. You're Amber, awesome. the Connecticut Sun staff, all of our special guests, Kathy Engelbert. Um, thank you guys so much for coming, and thank you for your support of the Sun and the WNBA. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Around the Rim. Check out more podcasts from ESPN on the ESPN app.